Hey everybody, you're listening to the High Sessions Hawaii podcast where we talk about everything local and beyond. I'm John Yamasato, your host, and joining me today is Kyle Shimabukuro. How's it? And Devin Nakoba. What's up? We've had about a month of... I know. Of one either, or the other. One or the other. Yeah. So now we got everybody here. Devin was sick. The gang's Kyle all back. Not sick, yeah. but not coming in. <laughs> he thought he might get sick. Well, I was just but trying to keep our guests I, safe. I, and, you know. I appreciate you. Yeah. He's a paranoid man. Yeah. Whatever. But uh, he doesn't. But he didn't have COVID. Of the three of us, he's the only yeah, one who has not had COVID. He's still the one who hasn't so had COVID. Whatever, it works. By the way, um, we're doing this a little different, where we're doing the intro first, yes, and then having the guest. But but he is here. Uh, Master Spaz <laughs> was nice enough to just sit and hang out with us. So, so thanks, Spaz. But we we did the interview already. It was awesome. You guys definitely want to listen to this one. Um, <laughs> and normally we're not supposed to do that, but you, you just sort of gave away the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I don't understand why we're doing that. this. Like, you could have just pretended that he And be, then he was just know, there, but like, that's okay. Oh. No, we're, that's all right. <laughs> all right. Before we begin, let me remind our listeners of the ways they can stay in touch with the show. There's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at High Sessions. They can go to SoundCloud, YouTube, or Apple Podcasts, listen to the podcast. Of course, Email us at highsessions at yahoo.com. In fact, I'll do this now. But um, Spaz has a book, Sped to Success. It's a story about his life, lessons he's learned, and things like that. Anybody who emails in will get a copy of Spaz's book. Oh, wow. Uh, up to five. So we, we bought five bucks. So if you want a book, uh, you're going to hear about it on the podcast. Uh, we bought a few, and we're going to be sending them out to our patrons and, and people who, who, who want it. It's a good nice. book. Okay. If you'd like to help the show, get more music on the channel, please go to patreon.com and donate. There you'll get more involved with the show and help determine who and what is filmed. We have four new patrons. No so way. last oh. time oh, we were so on the podcast. Oh, so and I got to take turns not being on No, no, no. What, <laughs> what happened last time is I kind of mentioned like, hey, man, we haven't had a Patreon yeah, in a long haven't. time. Yeah. It was like yeah. over a month. And we missed you. So uh, we have Ritesh. Thank you so much oh, for wow. being a patron. Neil from Las Vegas was cool. a patron, fell off, and then joined back on. Thank so, you. So Welcome back, Neil. Thank you, Neil, to coming back. Sanjay from Honolulu and Kim. I don't know where Kim is yet. Okay. But Kim, thank you so much for thank being you. a patron. So, so four people this week. That's I'd like great. to thank our sponsors, Kupu Kupu Landscaping, Landscape Architects. Of course, you can call Kevin Yokomura, 808-722-8685 for a free estimate or go to kupukupulandscaping.com. I saw them walking around my house the other day because they do the landscaping at my complex. Oh, okay. So, um... <laughs> it's like, are, are we... What's that? <laughs> oh, no, they, they don't just randomly <laughs> show up to my... Yeah, home. No, I thought Kevin was just walking around your neighborhood or something. <laughs> like, oh, um, okay. Yeah. So I saw the shirts. I'm like, hey, Koopa Koopa landscaping from my window. Um, thank you to Fort Ruger Market. We have here, which we're going to eat uh, right after the podcast. Not on camera. I, I don't know if people like watching other people eat. But no. Maybe. Well, that's pretty So it's... What was JB saying? It's like mocha. Mocha hopia. Like, but is it chocolate? It's like chocolate. No, man. Coffee, mocha. Coffee. Mocha no, but like he's talking about flavor. chocolate too in there or something well, like that. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate coffee. coffee. Chocolate coffee. Yeah, chocolate chocolate coffee. coffee. But um, it's looks, really it looks delicious. Yeah. Good wow. Crap. That's a... No, so they have it now there. You dropped it on the table, man. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> All right. Of course, you can go to Kumu94.7 to listen to Devin. Go to highlifeclothing.com to find Kyle. and Find me at locationshawaii.com. And, so, okay, wait. Yeah. Can we talk about your hair? 
Because you cut it all <laughs> off, dude. Yeah. Like you just went. You're the only you one go, going off in his hair, right? Yeah. Well, because look, right. bro. It was, he was, he was kind of looking, you know, he was looking kind of well, studly with the whole middle part thing. and the, you Yeah, know. I was trying to grow my hair long. Yeah. And then you just then, um, gave up. And I did. Cause it was, Man, it was did you my, give up. It was give it, getting in my face and... Well, why don't like, you just, hard like, to, hard to manage. And, you know? well, I told you there was going to be, a, like, like, a period of uncomfortableness I know. before it settles back in. And, and then I kind of looked... Uh, someone took a picture of me. I played a gig. <laughs> and I looked at myself and I'm like, wow, I just look a, like an old guy with hair now. With long hair now. What do you, you mean? Know? I thought I'd look maybe cooler because I'd have the long hair, but I'm getting older. But now I look just old with long hair. He kind of had an edge, though, with the long yeah, hair. Yeah, dude. Think, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Well, Kyle says your wife likes it better with your hair anyway, so. No, she... Oh, really? She said that? No, I just made that up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was not happy, yeah, about that, the short hair. Yeah, see? She just let so, it go, But man. I don't know. Every year, I, I because would Because, you, you, like, I see more of your forehead now than I saw before. <laughs> That's I'm sorry. Thing. You know what's you know what's bad because now we can talk about this because John let the cat out of the bag. But when when he was here, when Spaz was here, and we're talking, which you're going to hear later, um, we talked all about bullying, and that's kind of what I'm doing to John right now. <laughs> sorry, I feel really bad. But this is friendly bullying. This yeah, I don't is know not why bad. you got to be so mean. I know for. I'm so mean. Let it go. there's actually a difference. There's conflict and um, uh, bullying, and it's not bullying. He's just it's, he's yeah. conflicted by your hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm conflicted, John, by your hair. So we'll see. I'm very conflicted. Yeah. What I wanted to say was um, on Saturday night, me and John went to a play. It was uh, Once that's Upon a right. Time, Lisa Matsumoto's play. And um, Devin was the narrator and a bunch of um, returning sister? cast members, like my yeah. sister and other people. And, and Kyle and a, is an original And a group of, of new talent yeah. of kids, which were kids of the original cast. Yeah. Some of them. And some some kids from uh, McKinley. No, uh, no Comic High School. Ice Cream. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was a very enjoyable show. Thank you. It was fun to watch. It was great to see these new uh, rendition of characters mm. playing these roles, you know, and stuff. And much props to everybody and Michael Ng for, for um, directing it. Really had a great time. Well, I give them credit because they, uh, um, they really put their heart and soul into it. I think Michael as a director, it was important for him to, and important for us as the OGs, to make sure that the the kids, sorry, I gotta call them kids because they are, I mean, they're in their 20s, but they're young. Um, it was really important for us to give them that feeling that we had yeah. when we did the shows. You know, when, when we were doing the shows <coughs> in 1995, <laughs> um, uh, the thing that I remember the most about it was the fact that I enjoyed everyone that I worked with on the play, that we were friends and we were hanging out. And Spaz knows because he's worked with Mr. Bright. You know, he, they create that family atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And that family atmosphere, you carry onto the stage. And we will see that, especially when you're seeing a show like, you know, Lisa's shows. That family thing has to be there. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's just people doing a show. And it was very evident from us guys just watching on stage. Yeah. I mean, in the audience, yeah. on stage, yeah. seeing, uh, oh, okay, these guys... These yeah, guys are special. They they're friends, you know. Now yeah, and and it yeah. and it really makes an impact and a difference in a performance. And it's in, it's very interesting because I've done I've done the shows with uh, casts that Different were groups. not necessarily yeah. in that place, and you notice it. You notice it right off the bat. And I it, it was it was a weird thing to to feel, but it was really nice because I went wow. It, it made me go okay, if I had to step away and not do this anymore. We okay, we're in good hands. Because mm. over the years, we would always go, 
I don't know, man. Like we would we would give it to people and have them do the show, and we go, oh, well, that's one way to do the show. But yeah. um, you know, there's there's this this little thing that was missing. Well, after seeing this one, I realized the future is in good hands with Lisa's work, yeah. and I'm really happy that Mike took on the task of bringing these people together. Yeah. And hopefully so, Manoa Valley Theater does the smart thing and brings Michael back to do the shows. I'm just <laughs> saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, because also, you know, uh, Tammy yep. uh, Montgomery, who was the, the original uh, director of all the shows, she actually, in seeing the show and, and seeing the kids and, and their joy of it, said, ooh, maybe I want to direct again. Which for us would be amazing. Kyle's face. So I mean that would be it'd be really cool. Did you enjoy this was your first time? I don't know if you did you ever see these Samatsumo plays? What it's it's uh um fairy tales, yeah. Um kind of mixed up. Uh so instead of the seven dwarves, it's the six menahunis. Which which in this show was funny because all the menahunis were like six feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. So they weren't very small at all. All big local boys. Um and then uh, you know, we had uh, Red Rose Haku instead of Red Riding Hood, uh-huh. uh, but it's all spoken with pigeon and um, just chaos ensues. Two storytellers try to tell stories and they just kind of yeah. go off the rails, but it's a lot of just a lot of fun. So I had an extra ticket and I told John, You want to go check out a play at Devon's End? He was like, I'll check it out. I go, Did you ever see it before? He goes, No, I go, I can't believe you've never seen it. Yeah, so I said, Oh, you can take Stacy instead, and I'll sit back. She goes, ah, no, I don't think she wants to see that. So I go, okay, I'll go with you again. <laughs> but after the show, he actually said that Stacy would have enjoyed it. She would have loved it. it. Yeah, I think she would have. So I don't know why. Well, let me put it this way: when we were having dinner, Kyle took me on a, a formal date. We had dinner beforehand. <laughs> we I'm went a gentleman, to, you know, when it comes <laughs> to this kind <laughs> yeah, of thing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so he, I'm sitting there. I'm like, Kyle, how long is this thing? He goes, Oh, about an hour, hour and a half. I'm like, Oh, okay. It's a two and a half hour yeah, long it's play, two and a half hour show, yeah. but I never once looked at my watch or thought like, when am I getting out of here? Like, no, mm. I was I was involved in the story to the point where I wanted to see it resolve, mm. you know. So I was mm. enjoying it. So I know I was enjoying it because when I saw Harry Potter or whatever the fourth one, of, I remember looking at my watch like, how much longer is this movie? You know? <laughs> so I, I know when I'm involved in something. So I was definitely. But it's right. it, it was also nice because the you know uh, traditionally uh, with Lisa's shows. Um, you would get people to the theater that are not theater people, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was one of the things. I, I keep bringing Spaz into because he's, he's familiar with Mr. Bright shows. But that's what the thing was. We, people would go to Kaneohe to see a show like Sweet Charity, which mm-hmm. they'd never go and see in a million years, mm-hmm. but they're going to go because Mr. Bright put it together right. and, and they know the talent level, but also they know the magic that happens on the stage. Right. And I know for, for us, like looking out into the audience, I was like, wow. A lot of these people have never been to a show before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for them, this is sort of their... Introduction. Yeah, their introduction yeah. to it. And for them, and for some of us, even in the cast, it's the only shows they do. Yeah. There's cast members yeah, who only yeah. do shows that are... Uh, Lisa Matsumoto shows. shows. Yeah, Lisa Matsumoto shows. What, so, what productions cool. were you in, Spaz? Pajama Game, uh, Gypsy Rose. Um, and then we did this tour. I can't remember what it was, but we went to uh, elementary schools when I was in high school. And we did this, like, Indian one uh, about there's a story about a, a, a little Indian who wanted to be a big Indian. <laughs> were, you the, were you the little Indian? I was a little Indian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was in well, high school. High school, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Mr. Bright. Okay. And well, again, good job, Devin. Yeah, Thank you. It, it was Appreciate a great it. show. Thank you. Um, Spaz, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna magically go back in time, which we already did. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks everybody. It was so, a fun time. So though. Here we are with Clipmaster Spaz.
And we are back with our guest, Cutmaster Spaz. Spaz, thank you so much for being here, man. Very welcome. Glad to be here. See, I was commenting earlier that you you know how to talk to a mic. Yeah, I think I know a little bit about that. (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) So Spaz is a few minutes. (laughs) Let's see. DJ, producer, TV producer, educator, and now author. All, all come to and to TV my host. Yeah, TV and TV host. 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 Yeah, TV yeah. Host. you've been a, you've been I doing actually, a lot. Actually, I published a magazine too. I, I was uh, uh, I owned oh, a magazine. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man! So yeah, you've done it kind of kind of all. Yeah, yeah I mean, because you know, life is short, so you just gotta go. That's right. <laughs> my That's dad right. would say, "Give them, just give them." That was <laughs> give them. I was telling I was telling my buddy Dave earlier that uh, I'm so happy you're here. It's been such a long week, and I thought. Okay, hopefully our guest is someone that I can easily talk to, and I, I know I know we can talk. Right, of I, course. I, I, yeah. So, okay, let, let's start. Let's start with well, we introduced you DJing, but um, is that music always been a passion for you? Is that music actually saved me? Um, I love I love music, um, but I was always fluffy, so I knew I was going to be a dancer. You know what I mean? And I don't have the, <laughs> I don't have a good voice, believe it or not, to sing. I tried. And people used to hold it. <laughs> so um, I went to a dance and I saw this DJ um, mixing music and I watched how he controlled the cl- crowd with his music. Like he played rock music and they're jumping around. They played slow music. They're all feeling mm. in their feelings and the hip hop. Oh, and I said, that's what I want to be. I want to be a DJ. So at 10 years old, I ran home and I told my mom. I know what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a DJ. She's like, oh, okay, that's good. But, you know, we're not rich. Like, that's the Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, mm-hmm. what, 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 you don't have to tell me your age, but what era is this? This is, this is 80s. 80s, okay. So, yeah, DJing was Actually, different back then, that time right? was, um, yeah, it was 1980. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, 1980, the year 1980, I was uh, fifth grade, I was 10 years old. And, like, my mom and my dad is old school so he's not like like how nowadays yeah, he just give it you know what I mean just yeah, give, yeah. buy your child make him happy um, so she said <laughs> see no one ever believes us when we tell them our parents never give us nothing, nothing. You, you wanted stuff you had to work for it or just get told no it was a different <laughs> era we play outside when, when it's time for going in the house <laughs> when the lights come when on the, the street lights come <laughs> on see? and if you come in before that you better be bleeding yeah exactly <laughs> and he's there said, just rub dirty you, know? <laughs> you thirsty Right there, the holes. Yeah, the holes right there. <laughs> Just wait. You gotta wait, cause hot. <laughs> yeah, kids were treated different back then. That's yeah. for sure. So anyway, I, I that's when I came up with understanding that dream big but you need to put a plan in place because a plan without a dream without a plan is just a dream. So, mm. what is what could I get as a job at ten years old? Newspaper. So I started delivering news, newspaper at ten years old, all the way to I was fifteen. And as 15, I get my worker's permit. I started washing dishes at Zippies. Wow. And then 16-year-old, I um, steam clean carpets. And by the time I was 16, I had $10,000 to... Wow. wow. And you, I know that sounds a little bit for now, but that's like $100,000 yeah, yeah, back in the then. 80s. Yeah. That was yeah. a lot of money, man. Yeah. You hustled. I hustled. And for my... We had Radio Shack, which is like Best Buy. Actually, you know what? Fez, I'm going to take you just a little bit off the mic because it's popping a little bit. <laughs> It's real sensitive. He's so, I, I he's so strong. He <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like pop. I pop. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and I can just turn it up a little bit. Okay, okay, okay. perfect. All right, so um, at 16, I had $10,000, but then doing my birthday, I get birthday money. I used that. I went to Radio Shack and bought turntables that they had, which was uh-huh. the realistic ones. A realistic ah, yeah. dial so picture. With the mixer? Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> so I bought, I bought that, and then I, we didn't have YouTube, Google, so I just 
try to mimic. I would go swap meet by mixtape, try to listen how they how they did that, and, yep. and try um, mimic what they did, and then eventually um, started making my own mixes. Do you still have all your twelve inch singles and all that from kid time? I actually gave them to my friend because I had them in storage, and it was five hundred dollars a month. Oh, for uh, you twenty gave years, it to somebody. Yeah, so my friend um, oh. has a warehouse, and he DJs, and uh, he just says that. He, it's just stored there, but I said we can use them. Right, that's that, those twelve-inch singles I, were yeah. back in the day. Yeah, the ones, man. yeah. I got all the collectors, and I told him that. I said, "Hey, these are some of these is worth money. If you wanted to, you know, sell them." But I said, "I can't pay five hundred dollars a month for the rest of my life." <laughs> um, yeah. And then so he said, "Yeah, I'm gonna take good, good care of them." I went to the studio. <laughs> he nailed them all to the wall. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh man! <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> But I gave it to him, and, and that's fine. Okay, but, wait. So, so just to back up, because some of our our, um, our listeners may not know this. I, I know it's kind of obvious to us, but so you're DJ in the sense of a dance party DJ. That's the kind of DJing you're t- talking about. Correct. I mean, yeah. but I also was a radio DJ, radio jock. Yeah. I mean, he did both. So yeah, both. Did both. But okay. were you doing like grad parties and stuff with like Island Mobile and back in the day? Yes. All those guys were uh, just... Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. actually, actually, it's funny you say that. I did intern for them a couple times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I started because I was only in high school, yeah? And I went to learn the business. So I, I uh, when I say intern means I worked for free for the night. <laughs> And I, yeah. didn't get to, I didn't get to DJ. I just carried crates of records. Yeah. Stuff and you're doing all those dances at the Sheraton? Yes, eventually I did. I did Aloha Tower. The Betty P. Moy dances. Betty Moy dances, yeah. That's how my name started growing. There wasn't, you know, coming up, there wasn't a place that didn't have you DJ at one point in time. Seriously. Like, you, when it came to local names of people who DJed, like, I mean, there was underground guys and then there was you. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew who you were. Yeah, right. And, and that was before. That's before the magazines and all of that stuff. Like we knew who we were. It was a trip, yeah, because yeah. I, we didn't really know DJs that much, but we knew you. Yeah. <laughs> it was just hard work. I'm getting out there, meeting people. That's the key thing: is to network and meet people because they're not come see you. You can be the best DJ in your bedroom, but. If you just stay in your bedroom, you think you can just be in your bedroom. Yeah. So I yeah. went out, met people, I'd go to dances, just try to network by meeting people, tell them, hey, I DJ, here's my business card and stuff like that. And I practice a lot. I practice eight hours a day. Now, now what do you practice? What are you practicing as someone who doesn't? So do basically, you're trying to practice the best transition to get smoothly from ah. one record to another or in one song to another and uh, find ones that like even mix in the same key. And that's uh, hard for DJs because we're not musicians. So we got to figure mm-hmm. out. I don't know if that's a key A or whatever, but I know that it matches. So you, for hours, you're just trying to see what matches. Then you got to memorize which one. Because this is all records, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all it's all beat per minute. So he would know. Well, it's it's remarkable to watch him like you, like Jimmy Taco and stuff. The, the guys who are old school, even Kelsey who works with, with us now, they know a song by the beats per minute. They know how many songs or how many records they have that are that exact beat per minute or at least close and then you gotta you gotta navigate the fader you gotta navigate the speed of the turntable so that you can get those beat per minutes exactly you gotta get the beat on it's it's fascinating to watch because it's also like 
I've seen them go between records. So you start with one record, you go to this record, you go back to the same record, you come back. You can, they can learn how to, I mean, this is before, you know, now the DJs now, they hit a button and the thing goes back and yeah, just loops yeah. over and over again. You go, bro, there's, it's so simple. And in the, in the, back in the day, you had to do it by hand and when, they had to do it by feel. It was amazing. Your transition now from turntables to digital, right? Yeah. Um, how, how hard was it? I mean, were you resistant <laughs> in the beginning? Because I would have been, right? I was. I would yeah. laugh. I was. So uh, first, my transition was to CDs. I got CDJs, yeah? He's I, making sure we're recording because oh. he always gets... At some point during the during the show, he goes, am I recording? I always have an anxiety attack about the recording. It, ha- we, yeah, we always have it happened once and now story. forever in my life. So We'll talk about your... Um, okay your book but my, mine is obsessive compulsive that's yeah my, that's no, no, my thing. we're fine we're fine we're fine no. okay anyway. so sorry, sorry. yeah Dig- digital yeah so going from uh records to digital first was cds they had this cd uh, uh, jays mm-hmm. they come so they you can manipulate the cd like a uh, record yeah then they got the controller it's all mp3 mp uh mp4 and wave files and even movies that you can i mean video that you can manipulate really but yep. like devin said it's just push buttons and there's the difference i realized because I, I have a dj school that i teach during the summer at marinold I realized that the DJs today mix by sight, where we yep. mix by ah. ears. Because there's wave lines. So you see the blue line, you match the two blue lines, that's the snares. The red is the bass. So they don't even need a headphone. They just look. Like they have the fader down, they hit it, and they match it up, and then they put it in the mix. Cause they, so they mix visually. They see the, yeah. the music where we had to listen. So yeah. sometimes I show for my students. Yeah, I get the computer, <laughs> I put them down, so I kind of see them, and I mix them. And I write them like, <laughs> how is he doing that? Yeah. I did remember, you ever uh, bust out your turntables? I did. I do. It's like, what my, is that? that and, I do, and I do an exhi- ex- exhibition. I want a competition um, with this routine I made called It's Time. And so I do that routine for them. Uh-huh. Yeah, nice. You know what you are? You're Maverick of the DJ world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he comes in with the school, right? He's teaching yeah. all the young kids about the, the analog ways of doing the playing, yeah. right? But I remember, I remember um, going to going to Rumors, mm-hmm. and Kevin Nakasone yep. who was running it. He would do the DJing, and um, him and uh, what you call uh, Marcus, right? So Marcus would do it like you would. He would, you know, they they match up everything. I watched Kevin do it, and it it tripped me out because what you're saying is what he would do. He'd stand there, the song is going, the song is about to end. He's not even listening to the song he's not he pulls up another song that he knows matches and just and just starts moving stuff together and I'm like what are you doing man why aren't you listening he goes nah no need and then when Uh. when it's time he just he hits it he hits the fader and boom it's going and I went how the hell do you do that he goes I just matched the I just matched the the waveforms and but I I think there's a there's a art to it that gets lost I mean there's Sorry, Kevin, if you if you're listening, but I mean, there's a there's a certain art to being able to do that as well. But I think, as a as a professional DJ, as somebody who who's old school, there's also the feel for the room, and there's a, you know, and that that part I think is sometimes maybe what gets lost, or it takes them a little bit longer to find that because you can sit down, like if you come into a room, and I'm sorry for speaking for you, but I've seen you do it. That's the only reason I can say it. I mean, I've seen. The, the old school guys, they walk in a room, they look at the dance floor and they go, okay, I need them to do this, I need them to do this, I need them to do this. And they got a song for every single one of them. And it's always on the right beat, it's always on the right tune and they just 
they know how to do it and it's a it's a trip to watch them do it because I could never do it in a million well, years. Well, it's very educational because I always, yeah, I've known Spaz for forever, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I know this guy is good at what he does. Like, oh. but, but, in, but I don't know what, it's, it's like, I can see like uh, Nathan Alvial, when he plays a bass, mm-hmm. I know he's good because I know what a bass player is and I know that, but I'm like, I can't tell, because, you know, when you're DJing up there, you can't see, right, yeah, what yeah. you're doing and yeah. stuff, but... So this okay. So no, it's I'm that, learning it's a that, lot because that's the part that sometimes gets is missed. Is you can be a DJ and just mix songs. You can make beats work. You can do all that stuff, right? But the key is looking at the crowd and going, okay, I think they're ready for this, and then you bust it out. And when you bust it out, the crowd goes wow. And then and there's other DJs when they step in when they try it. You can tell the guys who haven't had a lot of experience because mm. they don't know the song. They don't know the songs. They don't know when to play a certain thing. They don't know when to stop it and then start it. They don't know when to get get the crowd going. That, that's lost. So what he's yeah. talking about is called programming. And you it's really hard to teach that because you got to understand. And there's different styles of programming. Like in a big warehouse or a festival, you do um, energy program where you start from a low BPM, like, you know, like, 80 then you go all the way to like 130 right. and it just builds up the energy in a club especially smaller clubs you do club programming and what that is you have to get people on the dance floor and then you gotta take those people who's on the dance floor put them at the bar grab the people from the bar and put them on the dance floor and you basically move oh, the room wow. around because that's it's how amazing dude it's so, and, and amazing you, and you do that by reading people so you see these girls oh beyonce right there boom you see oh dmx and so you, you do a little <laughs> set and you do and you see them it moves you don't want the dance floor to just be packing a small club they're not gonna make money at the bar there's a science behind this man yeah we never knew it right see because the djs kind of get some some hate right sometimes because people go Oh, you know, they, they don't play nothing or whatever. Right, right, they, right. Yeah, no, yeah. How can we not play? If you, if you play this song, everybody's gonna dance. Really, you went around the room, took a survey. Yeah, yeah. The dance floor is packed. Nobody likes this song. You should change it. The dance floor is packed. <laughs> but also too, but it's also knowing when, like he was saying, it's when to do the programmatical of move people off the dance. And I didn't realize this until I, I had to do rumors for for Kumu, because. I would sit there with Marcus or whoever the DJ was. I think he even came in one mm-hmm. time and, yeah, and yeah. guest DJ. Yeah. And it was, I actually had to ask because he would, they would play some song that the whole crowd would go, yep. and I was like, what the hell's going on? Why Why aren't you? And they're like, bro, people got to go drink. If they don't drink, they don't make money. Yep. So mm-hmm. clear, the, clear the floor and bring it. And then you clear the floor for like a song, right? So you either play a slow song or you play something that people go, oh, what is this? And Great then they time. walk off and they go to the bar and then... He plays something and bam, they all come back. And or but it's another a different group. Yeah, yeah. If it's a that different was group. sitting down in the VIP. V- and it's yeah. just I I don't know I, I I watch it all the time and I marvel at so, it. So, I guess the question I have for you because I've been trying to figure this out. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you come from you're you're on our age. Right, right, age. right. You're right, right around that same age. What happened? What happened to Ocean Club? What happened to Pipe Pipeline Cafe? What happened to Fat Tuesdays? What happened to all these places? that you could see DJs and come at night to a nightclub and dance and party and drink and have fun. It's gone now. So what's been, what, what, what has been replacing that now? <laughs> the district, it's a, and why those close down is because people start having families. All the people used to go to yeah. hook up. They hooked up and they made families. They don't go to the clubs anymore. Yeah, but it was a generation of mooses that you'd graduate from, from college and then the new college guys would go there and party. Right, right? but, but I guess rent got expensive or what, whatever that means. But, it's a different nightclub. If Devin went to some, the district, you guys would trip. Yeah. It's it's 
I don't understand the music. I, it's, yeah. it, and it makes me feel like I'm an old man. You know, when I was your age, we didn't play this kind of hokey dokey <laughs> stuff. Wait, wait. So there is nightclubs going on still. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, there are. Yeah, they are. Oh, they are. Really? Yeah. You just don't know the, about them. I just don't know about them. Yeah, because yeah. they're geared to a younger audience so, mm. you know what I mean they, uh, and they play a lot of um, they play a lot of house music yeah a lot of house and, and trap like just yeah. deep underground and all it is and all it is is beats and so you can't the, like I said the, the that whole idea of having a DJ control the floor control what people are doing that all gets lost because all they do is just play the same beats per minute the whole time and they just da, 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 my buddy's son like, uh, is in the trap yeah, yeah, so you so don't even—I don't even recognize the the band. It's, it's funny so because his his so his son made like a demo tape, right? And he's like, "Can you listen to this? Tell me if it's good." And I listen to him like, "I, I can't tell you if this is good or not because I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. Like, I, I, it could be good for all I know. I have no idea, you know, because yeah. it's just mumbling." How do you feel about like hip hop and rap and all? I mean, all this kind of nude stuff. How do you feel about? Because I have my own feelings about yeah, what's going on um, now. You, you know? know, the hard part is I gotta respect music because when we were listening to our rap, you know, yeah. my dad would be like, you know, you should be listening to Kalapana and all that. No, so <laughs> are we really old guys that are just complaining, or does music really suck nowadays? No, you know? um, <laughs> we're, we're old guys complaining. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> because people are loving this. Because yeah. I have a son who, who also DJs now. Yeah, that's like, right. He's taking the next generation. Yeah. Um. So he does proms and teen dances and stuff like that. And I go with him. You know, I become his roadie. <laughs> and I flip, man, for three hours. He, he, he gets on a dance floor. They're jumping for three uh, hours straight yeah. to this music. I don't understand. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, watch this. They're going to they gonna, they gonna say the lyrics. I never heard that. Hum, 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 hum. Like, yeah, and we do it like that. Like, because <laughs> you understand how music has changed is whatever's popular on the radio that's what, what people dance to and so as a DJ we know oh Madonna oh we, we know Millie Vanilli Bobby Brown <laughs> because of Spotify Apple Music and YouTube you don't know what you're walking into yeah. so what worked for Iolani does not work for St. Louis work for St. Louis does not work for yeah. Marino or YNI or, or uh, Kamuki like it's it's whatever they listen to in that school or, or what there's on the playlist. Mm. And a lot of them become, you can play this. Like, showing me Spotify is like, this is not an aux, DA, not an aux DJ. I'm give you an aux chord. <laughs> <laughs> so we, act, I actually, um, I, I uh, had a party uh, and I actually gave them the aux chord because I didn't know any of the music that they wanted. Wow. I just said, here, just plug your iPhone. And they loved it. They DJ ah, themselves. Okay. Like, hey, I just uh. run the lights. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. Because it's so it's different, so that's why I don't like. That's why I'm so glad my son DJs now. JoJo Flow at JoJo there Flow. There you go. Um, yeah. At DJ JoJo Flow, <laughs> um, he knows all the music. So hmm. I would download all like 200 songs that I would never play again, <laughs> 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 just for one prom class for the request list. Yeah. Do you slide in one of the oldies though, just for? Oh fun yeah, to no, see what no they like the oldies. They like the like. Yeah. This is how we the nineties. This is how we do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, old Dr. Dre stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they, they like all that stuff. Yeah. They just okay. they don't like listening to it the you, whole time. You know yeah. what it is, is? Is I think like Spotify and YouTube and stuff, it's made music kind of timeless because you can just scroll through and it's going to suggest stuff to you, right? So if you're listening to certain artists, Snoop Dogg could come on and you don't know whether Snoop Dogg came on because there's no MTV Top 10 or mm -hmm. whatever, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. so well, you're going to listen video to video games right nowadays. They're putting old school stuff in video games. That's right. right? Yeah. 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 They're well, using I mean, it at, in movies, right? <laughs> 
Look at Kate Bush and running up that hill. Yeah. The song is 40 years old and went to number one in the charts. Yeah. And people are like, wait, what? You know? So, so. it's crazy. I, I, you got to, as a music artist, you got to think about, man, did I, what, who did I sell the rights to my songs to? Because it could yeah. blow up again at any time, yeah, right? Yeah, Even true. if it's 40 yeah. years old yeah. and you're sitting there like, oh, Sony owns my record. I'm not seeing any of this, right? right? Kate Bush or whatever. That's right. So, okay, so let, let's let's move on from your, your, your um, DJ days in okay. the clubs. Yeah, we can talk all day about and that. And then you turn into radio, right, from there. Yes, correct. Uh, I was DJing at KQMQ just as a mixer, but then one of the jocks didn't show up. So the program director said, hey, do you uh, want to go on the air tonight? I was like, okay, I mean, I can. I make announcements in the club. And I went on and... I liked it, and I got a nighttime shift for KKMQ, um, and I was there for a couple of years, and then um, I got this offer to start a radio station called Extreme Radio, because wow. I, I did a lot of clubs. Yeah, I, I meaning I promoted. I was one of the first promoters in Hawaii, not all over, but. I had the concept of taking the door, the, the bar, taking the bar, giving them a bar guarantee. And I did crazy stuff to make, you know, the club pack with 700 people every Saturday. Um, so the... What clubs were these? <clears throat> huh? What clubs were these? Uh, Rini's, uh, World Cafe, oh, um, Cafe, Groove, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'd bring artists and stuff like that. And it, it's, it's a whole prediction thing because you got it like Coolio. I, his first song, I grabbed him for $10,000. Then that spring, he blew up, and then his price mm. was 50000 But I already had signed him for 10000 to perform. Wow. So mm. stuff like that. So the <clears throat> the owners of the radio station, which is now, it's uh, Power. It's not Power 104.3, but it was Extreme Radio. And I um, did all these crazy promotions. And within a year, uh, made it number one. So that's how I got into the promoting game of radio promotions in radio. And then <laughs> OC16 said, we're going to go 24 hours. We need content. And um, I think Tiny mentioned me and Lena Girl and Sam mm. said, hey, you should talk to Spaz. He's a very positive guy. And so I started my show, This and That. I didn't want it to do just about music, just about youth, just about in local heroes. I wanted to do this and that. So that's what I made ah. this and that. It was on for 15 years. Had to shut it down. Not had to, but I shut it down in 2018 because um, internet is king now, yeah? Yeah. Mm. Everything. Well, I mean, that's Which why is why we're, we're here. Yeah, that's why we're doing <laughs> exactly. the podcast. I mean, the whole reason why we even started this was we have this channel playing music videos. No one knows who's behind the videos or what you know what's going on mm -hmm. or what... So thought we'd do a podcast and then we get interesting people like <laughs> and, then it's the, and it's the three of us talking to each other and they go oh where's the music what's <laughs> happening why, why are they not singing <laughs> no 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 it's, it's just a, it's just an arm of, of the whole body I guess. right yeah. right yeah. yes well let's talk about we'll go back in time again because I do want to talk about your book yeah I tell you I'm an artist too you know I came out with two albums and got um Hawaii Hip Hop Album of the Year for the two albums? No. No, I didn't tell you. Okay. That too. I'm an artist too, by the way. So, so wait, wait. <laughs> wait, what did, what, did, what did you do? You rapped? Yeah. Yeah. So, it started off as a, I wanted to, I wanted to unite all the different rappers here in Hawaii because I, I used my celebrity DJ. Cause by, there, by the time the underground. <clears throat> yeah. So, there's scene. a lot of great rappers. So, I went to like somebody from Waianae, Wamanalo, Kaneohe, and said, hey, let's do a mixtape. Mixtape is basically, and I was just gonna release it, burn it myself and, and hand it out just to get them because my name was on it and they're gonna buy it or, or get it. Then a record company, Landmark, said, why don't we just make an album because this is original stuff. So we had to go back in the studio because some of the stuff I borrowed from Dr. Dre and <laughs> other artists. So uh, Big T started doing the beats and um, 
in 2001, we came up with Spin City, and that won uh, at that Hawaii Music Awards at that time, which is yeah. kind of like the Hawaii Grammy. So I won Hip Hop Album of the Year for Spin City. And in Japan, it's right now, years later, it was at 22, 21 years later, um, in Japan, they auctioned them off. Really? Because it's because <clears throat> I put Hip Hop Hawaii on it. Hmm. Not knowing that Japan loves Hawaii, I just put yeah. one to know is just yeah. hip hop Hawaii. So I put Spin City, ah. hip 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 hop Hawaii. Now give me your money. <laughs> 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 you know, asking the universe. Um, I actually sold ten thousand copies of that, wow. which is pretty huge for wow. for, for Hawaii for yeah. hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people online now take a picture. I got your album, your yeah. CD. Um, and then so I wanted to do something different, and I collaborated with Vahi for my second album. Mm. I wanted to go organic, so a lot of more music. So imagine. Vahi and Cutmaster Spaz so I sang on it <laughs> they had to do a lot of fixing on that and rapped and stuff and I won uh, I think in 2005 or 4 2004 I came up with a Hawaii Hip Hop Album of the Year well oh, awesome. I mean you have the energy to, to do it you, you just keep going <laughs> and, and which is part of your story right I right. mean from your small kid time and uh, yeah so talk about the book a little bit I, I, I want to make sure we, we have a lot of time to cover this because okay. so this came out very recently, right? You March 1st yeah, okay. of 2022. So it's, it's called Sped to Success. It's written by you. There's some photo, photo illustrations. Oh, by your son. Yeah, my son did. The heat. So and when I, I started writing this book 10 years ago, and what it is, it's a collection of stories of trials and tribulations, roadblocks, being bullied, um, dealing with, with disabilities, and how I overcame it because... It's not. It's not a loss. It's always a lesson. So what did it take away? So I have twenty-three stories, short stories, like a page that tells the, what happened, and the next page is the life lesson I took away, like what I took away. And the hope for this is that people will start creating their own life lessons and go, oh, it's similar. He went through that, so it's not just me. And I was giving it to middle school and high schools, but a lot of teachers and parents are grabbing this, going, oh my god, this is amazing. Like this opens up on what my child or my student is thinking and how, mm. what they're going through. Because sad enough, you know, 40 years later, it's still happening, bullying. Mm. It's, it's actually worse now because yeah. people are keyboard warriors. Whereas before, yeah. I can see the bully on the playground. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can know if I can take him or I cannot, you know. <laughs> but all these guys, they behind the keyboard. Oh, they, they, they incredible hoax over there, yeah? But Well, I was going to ask you because, you know, I, uh, I won't go into my story, but I, I have a pretty uh, spotty youth as well mm -hmm. as far as with bullying. But I'm a, I'm a small guy, you know, so I got picked on. And I was a I, fat guy. Oh, so I was going to say, but you're a big guy. so No, no, no. I was I was a fat boy. Oh, I so see. some of the names was Bubblehead, Fat Boy, uh, Spaz. So when I got into DJing, I wanted a name that would always remind me of where I came from. And I remember mm. that tease where I didn't want to be DJ Bubblehead or Fat Boy. <laughs> uh, <coughs> which not have Fat Boy, you know, uh, Fat Man Scoop. I was going to say, Fat Boy Slim. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bubblehead, you could have like the mouse, you know, like you could have just a bubble on your head. <laughs> I have a bubble on my head, <laughs> but so I took spaz and I and I used that to remind me. No matter how successful I got, remember where I came from. Keep my feet self grounded, but keep reaching for the sky. And then I entered a contest called a Master of the Cut. And when I won it, ah. um, I wanted to switch it because I'm dyslexic. So. Uh, Cutmaster Spaz and I spell Cutmaster with a K instead of a C so if you spell it with a C you're spelling it wrong and you know how I feel all my life <laughs> Bad so, so, yeah I was reading your bio before we came in today so you had the double hit of ADHD plus dyslexia 
dyslexia, ADHD, dyspraxia. So basically, I'm uncoordinated. So when I, uh, you might see me trip today because uh, I, I, I can't. My left, my right, it does it. My motor skills, and I stuttered. I had a stutter, mm. so I had to go speech therapist, occupational therapy. Um, they didn't figure out that I was dyslexic till I was 15. So at 15 years old, sophomore in high school, I was at a sixth grade reading level because mm. they didn't know how to treat it. They didn't know I was dyslexic. Mm. How do you, so what they did is every year they would give me like in sixth 80s. grade, I doing second grade work. In seventh grade, I doing fifth. So I was three, four years behind. Can you mm. can you describe what it is to be dyslexic? So basically, you see words. Uh, and numbers backwards. So like S. Like in like, the mirror kind of thing? Yes. Yes. And then even like um, read, I put R-A-E-D like that. The, the ones Something in the... Just yeah, flip. flip. It's like mm. exactly the great way. Like you're looking in the mirror. So you're trying to read in the mirror. So it's really hard. So what takes the average person one time to read and understand it takes me three times. I have to read the paper or the, the, the sheet you three know times. What, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast the other day that had... Do you guys know Joe McHale? He did the yeah. soup and yeah. he's an actor and stuff. He's really dyslexic. Mm. And so he, when he got the job for the soup, he was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? You yeah. know, he kind of, but he said that his, when he looks at words, it's not even backwards. He's like, just jumbles. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah, can't, yeah. Even, can't even read It's like reading word jumble. But it's not yeah. an eyesight thing. Right? No, no, it's your brain. Oh, yeah. Your brain yeah. is processing. Up, so yeah. when I read a paper, it'd be like this, like today, go, we. Today, we, go, mom. Today, we will go to the mall. So I got to read three times to understand. Wow. Mm. So even when I read text, I got to watch out. Or when I read text, I read the text three times. Because I don't know what I see. Yeah. <laughs> right? right? So, and that's dyslexic. ADHD, basically, I can be talking to you. Ooh, a soda. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> I, just, I cannot. Attention. Attention. Yeah. So, and for me, my ADHD, I can hear everything. So I can hear water running. I can hear a radio in the mm. background. I can hear somebody mowing the lawn, blowing. I hear all that. So imagine everybody in your ear like that. And it's not like far away. It's like in my ear loud. So, you know, don't talk crap about me. Mm. <laughs> I can hear you. <laughs> but so I had that. And then um, I used to stutter. And so I had to work on my speech and and, and slow down my, my thoughts and because my I'll that's hard to do, man. Yeah. So yeah, that's that was the things I, I got bullied on, and um, and it was a is a is a boundary, you know. It was people putting up walls. It, it, it's it's weird though. Do you feel though that that helped shape because you're like a yes. super super nice guy and and super driven and stuff like that? And do you think a lot of that came from? Because I have no thoughts about, mm-hmm. but came from the fact that you were bullied. So. You know, because we had Justin in here the other day, and he did a documentary, which was very good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, one of the guys, so the, the documentary is about the guy who uh, hit Nancy Kerrigan. Okay. And the guy who actually hit yeah, her. Yeah, like hit her. Like, with, hit with the, the, the yeah. bad guy. Yeah. 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 His yeah. thing was he was abused, so mm-hmm. he became this big kind of hulking guy and mm-hmm. would, would abuse other people. But his thing was, I don't want to be abused, so I'm going to be this big, tough yeah. guy and, and fight everybody. Yeah. But, you know... You're you're kind of more like, or at least for my my uh, thought on it was, you know, I got bullied. I didn't want other people to feel that way, so I feel like I'm I overcompensate a little sometimes too nice to people. But do you feel like you from that bullying you try to take it turn it to a positive? Always, I mean that's what the whole book oh, yeah, is about. What, yeah, I guess that's so, what the yeah, whole book is about. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what, what I think what you're trying to say is, do you? F- I get this question asked a lot. Yeah. If you could change one event or moment in your life, what would it be? Yeah, and I always say nothing. Yeah, I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't go through that. I had to go through that. It was painful. It was hurtful. It was emotionally and physically. 
but it molded me to who I am. I said, I'm not going to let that happen to other people. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be better. I'm going to help them be better, be the best versions of themselves. I, mm. guess, I guess what's interesting is like you're at a crossroads where you're getting bullied and you became successful, where some people who are bullied, they don't take that extra step and they, be, they just... They just suffer from it for, forever. By oh, yeah, and they get into drugs yeah. or they become the bully themselves. Yeah, so what do you think motivated you to step out of that and yeah, be yeah, successful? Yeah. Um, in the book, there's a chapter talk about where I started having power and started being a, a bully of myself. And I, it was not genuine, it was not authentic, and it wasn't nice. And that's not who I am. I became that because I was being bullied, and I had to change my mindset. And although I was 15 years old, I said, this is not the path I want to go. This is not who I am. So uh, kill him with kindness and just try to deal with it. And you always have a choice. So my choice was to be positive, to always keep it positive. So to this day, to this day, I get bullied. <laughs> Believe not, it doesn't stop as an adult. But mm-hmm. I make the choice to not react. I, you know, I can react. What? What you said? I can say, okay, it's nice. Walk away, and not giving another thought. People know now what it's like to be bullied online, keyboard mm-hmm. warriors, and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. For you guys back in the day, before internet and all this kind of stuff, what was it like? Um. So you notice Kyle's not talking about how he was bullied. He's talking about so when you guys got bullied. <laughs> no, I, I kind of want to see how you know. I, I kind of want the kids to see right how things have changed and progressed over the years with this bullying thing. You know, um, rumors was was gossip and rumors was one of the most. Mm. They would say stuff about you. Uh, um, mm. they would uh beat me, physically beat me up. But I always say this: you got to watch your words because your words are more powerful than your fists. I know I got. Punch, slap, choked. I don't really remember that kind of, but I remember all the hurtful words that they said to me, all the mean things they said to me. Yep. That's what I, so that's the first thing I teach in my class uh, is to watch your words. Your words is powerful. Words can make somebody or build somebody or break them down. And you want to always build, you know, build. So um, the words was the worst of being name calling and the rumors and gossip and just, you know, just mean things. To Nobody wants to play to you. You're weird, you know. You're stupid. Mm. You're dumb. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Thanks, yeah. mom. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, the bullying thing is it's been interesting to to see it progress throughout the years. Like you said, you know, it's taken a digital turn now. Um, yeah. People jumping on Instagram. The the part that's uh, concerning for me is that it's it's so isolating for people or for the kids nowadays that they they go into this weird um, hole. Uh, that they feel they can never get out of. I mean, I remember, you know, I mean, okay, besides Kyle, the three of us have all been bullied. At <laughs> oh, some no, I've been time. bullied. I was <laughs> a small kid. I was right, right. Well, like, but, I, but the, the I had is, huge friends. Yeah. So it kinda, exactly. <laughs> I got out and of the trouble. So he, bullied, so he bullied the biggest friend we had, which is Thomas, <laughs> which is hysterical because Thomas is like six foot three, is three, six foot three, just a huge dude. And <laughs> Kyle would, everybody would be afraid of Kyle more so than Thomas. No. Anyway, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, I remember being bullied myself being young. And I, I'm i trying to figure out what that switch is that gets thrown. Because yeah, like, I, think, I think, you know, for me, mine was like, mine was fifth grade. I, we moved up here from Kona. I had gotten bullied in Kona, but I, you know, I still had friends. When we moved up here, I, I knew nobody. And then I went to my my, which supposedly is like the school where all the smart kids go. And, and the first day I almost got beat up because the bull of the school, who happened to be a Japanese guy, which I never understood, but, you know, it's my my, 
And he <laughs> he saw me in class and thought I was being stuck up to some girl who was his friend. So I was so small and scrawny and had glasses that he didn't even say he didn't even bully me himself. He sent like his lackey mm. bully guy <laughs> to go beat me up at the Hinch at man. the bus stop Hinch after man. school, and I, I you know I had no idea. The kid pushed me into the bushes. I was crying. Yeah. It was it was crazy, but it was very um, uh, it, it was very monumental for me because, like you said, you remember the moment that it happens vividly. You can go back and right. relive it over and over again, and that moment pushed me to be who I am now in the sense that. A, you want to make sure that other people don't get bullied. But B, you also, like, it changed my personality. I went from being a kind of a more quiet guy to being very gregarious and very out there. And I would never be doing theater or radio or any of that stuff if it hadn't been for that moment, right? But now what's happening with kids is that kind of stuff happens. And instead of that track, they end up hurting themselves, or taking drugs or going yeah, to these weird, places right? because, that are really dark. Because the don't, threat I don't used to it. be external, right? Yeah. It used to be like, okay, there's a guy coming after me tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to hide or whatever. Yeah. And there, there was an end to it. Now it's it's through the phone. It's coming. It's, it's like a and enigma. It's, and it's, it's multiple. Like, yeah, ways. Ways. it's not yeah. one person anymore. They, right. all, they all jump on it. And, and yeah. I explained to my students that... You know, if you like a, a hateful comment, you're part of the problem. You're yeah. bu- you're part yeah. of that bullying problem. They take their lives. You are at fault. So to answer your question, Dev, at the top of this podcast, I said music saved my life. The key thing is I found my passion. That's how mm. I, I switched, Kyle. Mm. I switched because I found music. I became a DJ. I was so focused on that. I didn't listen to the naysayers. I didn't listen to the white noise, the black noise, the dark noise, anything that was bad. I basically just went and did my passion i just had a target and i focused on that so anybody saying things about me that was bad or rumors or trying to bully me i just well i go home another eight that hours on my turkey so i found my passion that's what i that's my main message is to find your passion and don't worry about if you know um it's not going to make you a lot of money or so called you know because if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. And if you're passionate about something, the money will come somehow, some way. It will be monetized. It will come. You just got to keep on working for it. Well, I like your your comment that you made about dream with a plan. Because mm-hmm. you're right. A lot of people dream but they have no plan, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that's an important part of the equation yeah. is yeah. the plan, yeah. Yeah. right? So, uh, yeah, I like that. I like that what you said. The Let me uh, throw this out there. Okay. This is uh, so I'm not pro bullying. <laughs> let me let me say that first. <laughs> However, yeah. Let me make a case oh. that I think in this world there needs to be a threat of someone going to punch you in the face. <laughs> I think that has gone out the window and it's and creating it's, it's creating a society yeah. of of wusses and and uh what's the word entitlement. Hmm. Because you know, growing up I went to public school. We all went to public mm-hmm. school, right? There was always that threat like, oh, okay, you know, John's a nice guy, but uh, if he gets a little out of hand, someone's going to punch him in the face. <laughs> well, I don't think and that's I, bullying. I think that's I knew, just like that's, catching cracks because you yeah. deserve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Bullying is when you catch that's cracks problem. and you don't that's deserve problem. it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, think, I think no bullying, but, you know, maybe some of that. that uh, well, but that's, I think that's the part where it, 
morphs into something else and that's that's the part where it gets really dark like you know he has to deal with it on a daily basis because of the, the teaching part of it and you know we each of us well the two of us have children of school age so we like i get to experience it for my kids because you know my son's running down the hallway and some kid yells out hey fatty don't fall mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. and i'm like oh right uh-huh. but i but i also know at that point it's up to him yeah. Like, I can tell you, son, right, it's right. going to be okay, right? But un- unless you either turn around and punch that kid in the face who happened to be a girl, um, <laughs> you unless, you, you know, unless, you, unless you fight back or you just, like you said, right, you focus on something and you shine it on, mm-hmm. it can really bother you. And I, I, don't, I, I don't at this point know what that counterpoint is to it because unless they do what he did, or you know we did, which is figure out a way to ignore it and just keep moving on. It, it continues to grow, and that's the other part that's insidious about it. Is if you, like my son, we don't allow him on Facebook or any of that kind of stuff, just because the social media part of it is just, it's it's awful. It's just awful, and there's no way to to but combat it if you're there. You know what's also interesting though, to think about for the for two of you guys, if you didn't get bullied, you would have never honed the craft that you have now mm-hmm. to be one of the best mm-hmm. at it. And yeah. it's weird that, that it happens that way because you look I, at what Kurt Cobain had to deal with too. Mm-hmm. You know, he would never be this rock star <laughs> if he wasn't ostracized and picked on as a, and stuff. Mm. Not to say that it's, it's needed to be, you know, to right. turn out so, so people can turn out to be specially gifted in a certain craft. But what, you know, if you, when you find that craft and hone it, that's the most important thing, right. you know. Yeah. And that's why um, yeah, it pushed me to be better i always say i don't give 100 percent. i get 110 percent. i go over and beyond yeah under promise over deliver because that's because i needed to be the best in it you know to, to in anything that i did i worked really really hard to be the best in anything i could do um just so i, I don't know i could prove to people yeah, but i guess because you go through schooling and you're not good at this and you're not good at that and finally <laughs> you're like Damn, I'm going to be good at something. Right. right? <laughs> but then as I got older, I realized, you know what? I don't need to prove anything to anybody. As long as I have self-love and I believe in myself, that's all I need. I always, because I was young, I was a teenager. You know, I thought, I got, I got to be the best so people will like me. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that you got to believe in yourself. Nobody's going to believe in you or like you if you don't like yourself or love yourself or believe in yourself. So once I changed that mindset, all of a sudden, like the universe, God, whatever, I started getting attraction to people mm-hmm. who support me and believe in me. You know, and even when, um, you know, my mom, mom, own mom didn't <laughs> believe I was going to be a DJ. <laughs> when I was in my junior year, she's like, okay, next year you're going to be a senior. So what are you going to do after high school? I said, I told you this. I'm going to be a DJ. She said, no, that's a hobby. I go, no, I told you I'm going to be a DJ. She goes, son, you're going to eventually have a girlfriend. You're going to get a house, a car. How are you going to pay all that? I said, because I'm going to be a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> well, what kind of DJ were you thinking about at that time? A mixy DJ. Tour to like, the world. Yeah. Tour the world yeah, party. Yeah, DJ like, for rappers. Yeah, DJ, yeah, yeah. you know, in clubs, get paid a lot of mm. money. And I envisioned that. I envisioned myself in a club, uh, going on tour, uh, opening up for artists, DJing with artists. And I could see that in my room. I, I took my bed out and I put my drawer and I, I, I got an old door and I made a DJ booth wow. in my room. So I would DJ... 
for fake crowds. I got my, throw your hands up. <laughs> and my mom was like, who is in here? I go, just me. <laughs> oh, and 500,000 of them. So I, I, I would perform like that because I believe that, you know, opportunities will come. And if you stay ready, you never have to get ready. Yeah. Meaning if an opportunity comes, you say, yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah. I, I had sets. I had like 10 sets. So you can tell me right now, you can go uh, open up for MC Hammer in an hour. Okay, I'm ready. Because the opportunity presented itself, I was ready because I, I was always stayed ready. Huh. And all the things happened. I opened up for MC Hammer. I went on tour with uh, Ice Cube, Cypress Hill, uh, House of Pain, um, wow. Wow. Brandy, Monica, uh, Rob Bass, DJ Easy Rock, a lot of 90s guys. So um, we would do a lot of tours, um, even up down West Coast. The promoters realized that they didn't need to bring a, a concert a DJ because I live here. So I didn't yeah. have to pay for my travel. They yeah. didn't have to pay me big, big money. No. So I got all the all the concerts. And that's how I got grew my brand mm. even bigger because they would see me on stage. And yeah. the biggest one was MC Hammer. MC Hammer was, was So crazy. you opened up before MC yeah. Hammer? Yeah, yeah DJ. I was, and I had I was a, there when he did it, man. <laughs> I had a CD and it was like, they, the spotlight was even shooting. It looked like ah, it was wow, my chest. no way. Yeah, I think I have a, a VHS of it. Cut man, it's bad. So what happened? Like, you took such a long, uh, sort of arduous journey to get to where you were. When it was your son's turn to say, Dad, I, I want to do what you do. I mean, it's, was it that same thing where you went, boy, better start throwing those no, papers around. No, I, actually, I actually didn't want him to be a DJ because it's a hard struggle. Yeah. And, I, you know, I was like, oh, this is a long struggle. I am passionate. Yeah. But he is one that tries everything, tries baseball, tries swimming, soccer, any sports he tried, but he didn't like it. Mm. So... um I guess I have a practice. I had in my living room. I had a practice, so I had to practice still yet. And then I'll do gigs on the weekend. One day he came to me, and I guess when I was at home, he'd be using my equipment. And of he course, said, Dad. His, uh, I think he, cause he messed around when he was about four, but ten years old. He goes, uh, Dad, can you listen to my CD? So I okay, I grab my, go into my car, I drive off. I listen, got like mashes acapella over beats, transitions. I'm like, wow. Ooh. What is going down the freaking kid? <laughs> so I go home, I go, where did you download this from? Like SoundCloud, YouTube? He's like, what are you talking about? I go, who, who is this? I go, he goes, that's me. I go, you made this? He goes, yeah. I said, show me. He get his set up. He go, bam, boom, bam, chicka, chicka. What the <laughs> heck? The kid is better than when I was 16. <laughs> like, I that's was, jeans, daddy. Yeah, I was, no, jeans, no. And everybody always says, oh, you're following, you're following yeah. your dad's footsteps. But he's not. He's creating his own trail. I always say that at 16 years old, he would have whooped Cutmaster Spaz as a 16-year-old. That what he can mm. do is unreal. He doesn't only do DJing. He's a photographer. That's why he took pictures for the book. He's a videographer. Uh, he produces beats, JoJo Flow beats. And he's done albums and projects for guys in Chicago as well as Vegas. Yeah. And here, like he's producing beats before he was even 18. He just turned 18 this summer. Well, now it's a worldwide market. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But you got to think, though. Cutmaster Spaz back in the day with archaic equipment versus... Your kid nowadays with this digital equipment. Mm, he's how, defending you. How much further would you have been with that kind of technology? Yeah, I probably would have gone further. It, it was it was it was harder back then. I mean, even like I was saying with the turntables, um, you know, we had to go by feel. You can't hit it too hard. This way, you can just slam yeah. your head, you can jump on it, be like throw champagne in the air. Yeah. You can't do it. With her. Get out! Don't don't bump the table. Yeah, so, that's why I know about bumping the table. Don't bump the table. So um, yeah. But I'm just, yeah, I'm proud because he's, like I said, he uh, he produces beats. I, I never really did. I did remixes, but not he produces beats from scratch. And um, uh, he's doing a, a lot of more stuff uh, than I, I, I am. But 
he's taking his own path. And like you said, it's a different path. It's yeah. worldwide now. Whereas, you know, I had to start on the island and, yeah. you know, get on tour. And I was fortunate to tour, you know, in Italy, uh, Vegas, Japan, Philippines and stuff like that. That's awesome. So, but that was a hard work. He, he, he has a gig this summer. <laughs> he's he's going to perform in Vegas. He's going to DJ in Vegas. Nice. Wow. wow. Yeah, this big event at the Virgin Hotel. Wow. Yeah. No so, way. Yeah. And he booked that himself. It's crazy. So are you his agent or? No. Okay. No? I, I was until you turned 18, which was the beginning of the summer. For t I told him at 10 years old, do you want to do this, son? Because, you know, you try a lot of things, but, but this is a lot of money. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. You basically got to commit to this because I, you know, I'm going to talk to the family, see what we can help you out because you need a Mac computer, which off the bat is like two grand, yeah. you know, a controller, which is, uh, you know, about at that time, 800 and the case. Wait, 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 because on the Patreon, I want to go over starting DJ, what the <laughs> oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> well, I'll just explain that's a lot of money, but lo and behold, you know, uh, eight years later, he's still doing it. So. I have set him up to be a businessman. So mm. all the stuff I learned, contracts, um, how to rate, how to book himself, all that kind wow. of stuff. He learned that along the way aside from just DJing. So he knows the business and how to negotiate. I bring him to meetings with me when we talk to clients and stuff wow, like really? that. So when he turned 18, he basically started jo Jojo Flow Productions. and that That's he, amazing. Yeah. That's so this amazing. summer he's saving for a car and already with all his gigs he's done, I think he raised like six grand. Wow. Okay, months. so good because you, you're gonna you got him so sufficient. Yeah, you're yeah, not, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah, looking no. for three, four. Yeah, no, money he, he at all. Hit, and I think you're going to hit it. He's going to hit 10 grand by the end of this summer. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so so as I was saying, yes. we're, we're going to go to our Patreon section. Okay. And uh, what I want to do is, like, if you were going to DJ a startup, okay. what is the equipment okay. you're going to need to get going? Oh, we're not going to. Wait. Oh, but. but gonna, huh? Wait, I thought you were stopping and then going to go to that. Yeah. But oh. before that. Oh. oh this is a music channel. So yeah. we have one music question for every okay. person that comes on the podcast. Yes. If you were stranded on a desert island for the rest of eternity and could only take three albums with you to listen for the rest of time, what would those three albums be? Desert Island Discs. Okay. Um, <laughs> first, for sure, would be I'll Be Sure in Effect Mode. Ooh, oh, yeah. wow. That was the first album that I, I didn't like slow music. I always thought it was... I didn't understand because I was a young boy. I thought it was sad. I didn't know it was baby making music. <laughs> so um, I'll be sure in effect mode. Um, LL Cool J, um, mm. bad album. That's where Rock the Bells and mm. I'm Bad. So I'm old school, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And then. Um, and I need love. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's I need love. <laughs> I bet you play that one now. <laughs> And um, Run DMC, Raising Hell. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. Okay, okay. Nice. Good choices. Um, sorry, before we wrap, just wanted to say, um, uh, I've known you for a lot of years, and one of the coolest things was, and I wanted to make sure I told you this on the air, <laughs> that um, you and I have never worked for the same company together. <laughs> He's always worked for the competition, whatever it was that was happening. But uh, you've, you've always been like the most positive person. I totally wanted to hate you because he had, <laughs> I mean, yeah. seriously, when we were coming up, he had this and that. He was the, you know, the DJ for MC Hammer. He was doing all this stuff and you were like, damn, this dude is doing everything and he's doing it in a way that is like, you know, he could easily be, who you, right? Mm -hmm. And he was never like that and I, I, I want to give you props for that because you've, you've always, 
like you said, you know, with remembering your your nickname or your your DJ name, you, you tried to remember where you came from, and I think uh, I give you credit because not a lot of people have been able to kind of do that consistently, mm-hmm. and you have. You've been you've always been just the nicest person, and you always give time to people. You always have a positive thought, and you always um, are looking out for people. And I, I give you credit for that because. You you don't necessarily have to. I mean, you mm-hmm. you've always gotten so many things going on at once that I'm like, I don't know how the hell this guy has time to be nice to people. I but, don't sleep. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but you do, and I I, I just I, I want to tell you, it's it's really um it's really been awesome to see your your success and, and everything that you're getting into. So thank you, for I on. appreciate that. Yeah. I I always tell people that I surround, especially my staff, when we had, you know, we do productions, music videos, and sometimes we have some heavy hitters on on the set, and I said, you treat everyday people like superstars and superstars like everyday people it shouldn't be no different mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's not like oh Usher's here no it's like oh Devin's here what's going on <laughs> it should be the same Kyle hey John it should be the same energy you yeah. shouldn't treat somebody because they're a star you treat everybody like that so anybody who came in celebrity not we treat them whether they were you know nobodies or just coming out we treat them like celebrities and they mm-hmm. love that and I, I'm glad that, that is a reflection of what I do thank you See, John, we gotta learn from that because I know when I know. Devin walks in the door, we're like, ah, Devin's here. <laughs> <laughs> they're, always, they're always big timing everybody, but it's just like, oh man. John's always like, by the way, have you picked up the new Pure Heart album? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know should, I, should I autograph that for you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're gonna break now. Thank you to our YouTube channel. Oh wait, wait, wait. So what is this, John? Oh, oh yeah, that is Mocha Halpia. Oh. I was gonna I was gonna put it in the introduction, but we'll have it in the yeah. end too. Oh, okay, okay. Mocha Halpia from Ruger Market. So oh. we're gonna bite into that later. But that looks absolutely delicious. I know, we all gotta try that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you. See you. Bye.